Hello and welcome back to our daily uh, devotions on the Psalms. I am I I'm not sure whether you can you hear these ambient noises in the environment, um, but um, it's because I'm on holiday and sitting out in the uh, balcony, so the so sounds that you hear are cars and uh, birds. If I can't be heard clearly, I shall repeat the podcast next week. Otherwise, let's try it. Today I want to talk about a very much loved psalm. Psalm 34. This psalm has been made into songs. Um, the psalm has been chanted and recited at many services of both Jewish, Catholic, Christian, Protestant. So it's a very beautiful and powerful psalm. I'd like um, us to reflect on this psalm. I divided it into two parts, um, from verse 1 to verse 10, and from verse 11 to verse 22. So for this week, this Tuesday, I shall do verse 1 to verse 10. Let's now listen to this psalm, Psalm 34. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the testimony of people who have tasted your goodness and know how good you are. Help us now as we reflect to allow this truth to sink into our hearts, so we may live out of the fullness of your love for us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 34 verse 1 to 10. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, and those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The preface and introduction to this psalm says that this is a psalm of David when he changed his behaviour before Abimelech, so that he drove him out when he went away. The name Abimelech uh, may have been confused in this story, in this psalm, uh, with the name Akish. Uh, both the event of David's madness and his encounter of Abimelech are found in 1 Samuel chapter 21. So it may be that Abimelech was mentioned as a whole to this story. What happened was that David was running away from King Saul after Jonathan had told him that his father was after his life. And so David and a few friends went to Abimelech. Abimelech was the high priest at that time. He asked for help for consecrated bread as well as for a sword. And Abimelech gave him the sword of the lion. Now from there, David fled again, left this 
place and went to the territories of the Philistines. And there, King Achish of the Philistines heard that David had arrived. When he heard that David had arrived, he was uh, feeling very threatened because what was described of, of David was that he had killed a thousand Philistines. So David's reputation preceded him. When David found out that Achish had heard of his arrival and of his reputation, David was scared. So instead of going to confront Akish, he behaved like a madman. Akish, looking at his mad behavior, said, why, why do I want another madman in my company? Just throw him out. Akish then sent David away. This, of course, saved David. Uh, he did not have to join the Philistines, nor was he attacked by the Philistines. And he went on his way. As a result of this, David then wrote this psalm of praise. What does this help us to understand about God? First, that David would bless the Lord at all times, his praise continually in his mouth. To bless the Lord is to think well, to bless someone is to think well of someone. And for David to bless the Lord was to think well of God. He had very positive thoughts of God all the time. He was conscious of God every moment of his life. Whether it was waking up in the morning to the noise of family, to family squabbles, going to um, taking a bus to work and having a crowd, going to a workplace that may be a very pleasant workplace or may be filled with office politics throughout the day thinking good thoughts of God, knowing that God is with us. David was facing a terrible time. He was threatened by King Saul, threatened by enemies, Philistines, whose people he had killed, whose soldiers he had killed. David was constantly living in, in fear, perhaps in danger, and yet David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. I know that God is with me. It is a very good habit to develop, to be thinking of God, good thoughts of God, wherever we go, whether it is a happy time or a sad time, to know that God is with us. Excuse me, I've caught a cold too. Um, but the next one that David says is so important, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Can you imagine if David had clung on to his reputation? As many of us might do to hold on to our reputation. David had a great reputation for having defeated the Philistines, having been a hero of Israel. And here Akish had heard of his reputation. It was something that David could boast about, his military prowess, his power, his ability to fight. But instead he says, blessed is the man who boasts in the Lord. You see, if David's boast had been of himself, he would never have agreed or decided to behave like a madman. How undignified, how humiliating. There was a hero of Israel, 
behaving like a madman. I mean, it's a total loss of face, loss of dignity. Here was a king admiring him, though of course feeling threatened by him. And all that David would do was to act like a madman. It takes a lot of humility to fall, go down that low. And many of us, I think, may not dare, would not be able to do that, to let go of our reputations, to let go of all that we have just to cling on to God and allow God to give us the inspiration to do something that was necessary. In this case, David, instead of thinking of how great he was, kept listening to God and believing that God was present and would help him out of his trouble. And so when he had the inspiration to act like a madman, David simply acted like a madman and gave God all the credit for it. It was because of that that David's life was spared. You know, for many of us, we hold on to things that we can boast about, whether it is our position, whether it is our wealth, our intellect, our special abilities. And often these things hold us captive. Though they may be our great achievements, we are held captive by them. There's nothing as good as being recognized by people. Here David was being recognized by the King Akish. Akish was thinking this is really a great man and so alluring. Have you ever had times when you were recognized by people? I think many of us would have to some extent. It feels wonderful when you walk into a room. People recognize you, um, whether it is dignitaries or important people who recognize who you are and how good you are. I've had some of that. I've even had a time when I was out with my daughter. We were in Chinatown. And someone from a group of gangsters came running to me and said, Chaplain, Chaplain, how are you? Thank you, thank you. And I had bragging rights with my daughter, telling her, wow, you see, even gangsters recognize me in Chinatown. And all of this is quite intoxicating. Uh, I've received awards uh, and all that. It feels wonderful. But you know, the biggest, not one of the biggest, really the biggest pride in life is a realization that God knew me by name. That God knew who I was. God cared for me. I'm not just saying this to be politically correct. You see, one day, um, after I had been a pastor for nine years, I realized one great truth. You see, neither to prove Previous to all that, I had drawn close to God, but I always see myself as pleasing to God, trying to please God, trying to make God happy. But that one day uh, in 2002, I realized the opposite, that God was trying his best to please me. I mean, it really blew my mind. It seemed so presumptuous of me. It's, it sounds good to say, and trying my best to be pleasing to God. But to think of this, that God is trying his best to please me, I mean, it just blew my mind. It sounded so theoretical. But what happened was that at some point when I was at my lowest, God just poured his love into my heart. And I said, 
God, each time that I said, God, I need to be loved again, I need to feel your love, there would be this bubbling over, this spilling over of joy and love in my heart. It was almost at will. Each time I asked, God, I really feel down now. Can you tell me again how much you love me? And down deep in my heart, pour out rivers of street and fountains of water, bringing joy to me. And then I realized what Jesus, the truth of what Jesus said. Jesus said, Which father among you, when his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if his son asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you, being evil people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your loving Heavenly Father give to you? And say, give the Holy Spirit to you. That day I realized that truth, that God longs even more than we ever could to bring joy into our hearts, to pour His Spirit into us, to please us, as it were. I realized then that it was not just my goal in life to be pleasing God, but it was God's goal to please me. And it just blew my mind. Doesn't mean then that whatever I ask, God will give, although He says that, but it's out of his love for me, that everything that he gives to me is out of his love for me. That made all the difference in my life. No other great encounters, no other great experiences of being recognized by people mattered so much as to know that God is looking out for me all the time. But the truth is that it's not just for me, it's for all of us. That God looks out for you not to judge you, not to um, not so to see whether you're pleasing to him, but rather to please you, to bring joy, happiness into your life. Therefore, the psalmist then continues and says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together. It is a corporate thing. It is saying, Come, all of you, let's join in together. Know this God of ours. You know, when I made that discovery, I began to boast not of myself, but I wanted people to know they had the same experience that I did, to have the same realization that I did, that God is all out trying His best to give us joy, make our hearts just glow with happiness. That became my new thought. Uh, new occupation, preoccupation, one might say. Because it was not just to be forced to tell the gospel and to share the gospel, but it became something of joy that I wanted people to know. I wanted to know how much God learns to please us, to give joy, joy to us. And so it's nothing like a whole group of people, a whole company of people, having that same experience the love of God coming together to magnify, to speak the goodness of God. And then the psalmist David continues with a personal story. He sought the Lord and answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Often the fears, our fears are greater than the reality. Don't you think so? That we fear and anticipate things far more than, and we think they're far worse and what the reality is. We are people who are beset 
and fears. David had many, many threats all around him, and he needed a God who would protect and deliver him from his fears. Excuse me. Deliver him from his fears. I too was full of fears. You cannot imagine how terrified I was of keeping a low self-esteem. One might think, well, you're a lawyer and you're all this and that. Why would you have low self-esteem? Well, the truth is that when you're afraid of rejection, it doesn't matter how great you are. But I was so terrified of talking to people. Um, you know, the reason why I didn't, I was so silent in my early days, um, that was when I was in my 20s, was that I was afraid that I would say something that would make people think that I was stupid. And I had many other fears. I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid that if I got to meet someone, they would reject me for who I was. Indeed, I kept telling myself, hey, but you're a lawyer now. You are a big time. You're better than most. But that only made me fear even more that I would expose myself as not deserving any accolade that I would be. I would just show myself to be dumber, to be real dumb. So I kept quiet. I did not join in with friends. I was in the church choir. And remember, whenever we had fellowship time and people would gather to play games, I would avoid it. My main, my main reason was that I was afraid of making a stupid move in my game, saying a stupid thing in a conversation, therefore be rejected. Fears bring different reactions to different people. For some like me, it was fear of rejection, making me withdraw to myself. To others, it may be a fear of our future or a lack that makes us grasping, makes us a fear of losing control, that makes us want to control and manage the lives of others to make sure that our circumstances go exactly as we wish. But we are very much governed, dictated by our fears. And then that day when I discovered that God yearns to please me, that God yearns to love me, I realized that that was the end. I did not need to fear rejection anymore. If I was special to God, if I had everything to God, why would I fear if people rejected me? Why would I fear if people thought I was stupid? Because if God loved me so much that was good enough for me. And then I realized that the opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear really is love. Love, perfect love, cast out all fear. I realized that day that when I allowed God to speak his love to show me how much he loved me. Remember I was saying Whenever I said to God, God, show me how much you love me, and I would feel the bubbling over in my heart. Each time I needed to feel loved by God, I just say to God, God, let me know how much you love me. Each of us will have different experiences of God expressing his love to us. For some, it's a daily discovery that good things happen to us. It's a daily discovery that when we pray and bring our problems to him, God solves our problems. 
the God in various ways displays his love for us. And then when I felt so deeply loved by God, I began to lose my fear of rejection, began to lose my fear of loss of control. I began to come out of my shell. You know, preaching and having my sermons recorded was a terrifying thing. But yet I began to realize that I'm so deeply loved by God, I can actually do crazy things because you are loved by God. Um, in fact, when I had that huge overflow of love from God, I really did crazy things. One day, um, at a seminar, was, uh, the speaker was someone I really hated. And, and, but was someone I really disliked. Anyway, in the middle of that seminar, Holy Spirit told me, mainly, go say sorry to him. <laughs> I was like, crazy God. This guy hates my guts and I hate his guts. What do you mean by going to say sorry to him in the middle of a seminar? The Holy Spirit again said to me, mainly, just go and say sorry during the break. And I was looking for excuses. And at the break, I was thinking, well, if he's talking to someone, too bad. But this guy was just standing there alone. The Holy Spirit again said to me, Mingli, just go say sorry for all the problems that you trouble you caused to me. So I picked up courage and there was so much more of the love of God filling my heart. I went up to him and said, Sir, I'm very sorry for all these years when I showed disrespect to you. And that man was surprised but he held my hand and said, Thanks for apologizing, thanks for coming making a move to come to me. Eventually, we became friends. But it was like, it was unbelievable actually, just experiencing the love of God that made me lose my fear of rejection, my fear of looking stupid, going up to this man to apologize to him. But that's the thing that God does for us when he pours his love into our hearts. And so in verse 5, it says, those who look to him are radiant, faces never ashamed. Verse 6 says, This poor man cried and God heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. You know, all of us are poor men children. We long to be loved by God. And God is saying is that whoever you are, whatever you have done, just cry out to God and ask Him, let Him know, let you know how much Loves you. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. In the verse 10, God actually gives us bodyguards, guardian angels, if you will, who then journey. And then verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Try it, try it. Because when you ask God to pour his love into your heart, to show you how much he dotes on you as a father, you will indeed discover his truth. I remember a friend of mine uh, who, said, who asked me, what do you really want? And I said, one of the things that I've always dreamt of was to go overseas to study, go to the States and study. But now as a pastor, I have, first of all, I don't have the money to go. Second of all, I've got family, I've got daughter and a wife. Um, and he said, so? Just ask God. Ask God to tell God that you would really love to go to the US to study. 
And I said, okay, I'll ask. He said, yeah, God says freely ask. Ask for the money, ask for the, the opportunity. So I did. And the family ended up states for two years. Um, in fact, my wife and I both ended up studying and had a great time in our lives. But what is true then is when the psalmist says, taste and see that God is good. Taste and see that God really loves you. That God really dotes on you. Let him show it to you. I'd like to end with this. Verse 10, it says, Young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The God truly provides for us. You, know, you may have heard some of my sharing about when I was working in prison fellowship. Uh, we were always short of money, in a sense. Uh, my salary was paid by Methodist Church, but I had a team of 20 workers, and we had to look for money. When I took over the organization, we were already flat broke. What was worse was that we had taken money from designated funds. And you know that's actually against the law, and I was really worried of running an organization that had taken $60,000 from a designated fund. And so that was early in my time, just taken over uh, prison fellowship. And I was one day just walking down the road and telling God how scared I was. I was saying, God, auditors are coming, and when they see that we have eaten into our designated funds, we're all going to end up in prison. Um, I said, God, where can I find the money out of? Our organization is so unknown. No one knows us and no one wants to give us money. As I was lamenting to God, I received a phone call from a lady and she started with, Hi, um, is this Reverend Chu? I said, Yes. She said, um, Is there any need that you have for money? And I was like, Now, who are you? She said, she gave her name and then she said, well, I have some money to give. But when I asked my pastor, he said his church didn't need any money at that moment, at that point. And then he said, I heard that uh, this guy who's um, just taken over prison fellowship, he may need some money. So why don't you call him? I mean, it blew my mind because I don't know of any pastor when offered money would say, well, actually, I don't need the money. Why don't you call someone else? But this pastor did. And this lady then called me and asked me, how much do you need? Um, at that moment, I wasn't even thinking of expenses. The one thing on my mind was, we are in the red and we've taken $60,000 from a designated fund. So I said, well, we, I just told her the facts that I took 60000 from a designated fund. And she said, well, okay. So tomorrow you receive a check of $60,000. She then hung up. I mean, we did receive a check up for 60000 and got ourselves back in the black. But in many, many other ways, too many stories to tell, God just kept providing for us. There are times when uh, we were just two days away from payday and we were scrambling to look for money. And then the money came from unexpected sources. Not necessarily from rich people, but even the poor. Somehow, money just kept coming. And we survived uh, throughout that time. You realize how true that is that 
even like young lions, young lions are fierce and powerful. They may faint for hunger, suffer want and hunger. Those who trust God, those who turn to God, they will. As soon as we meditate, reflect on this psalm, realization that our boat really is God because God is wonderful. God loves us very much. And the appeal then is this taste and see. Just ask God, ask God to show you how much He loves you. Enter into that joy so that we may come together to magnify God together as people who have tasted of God's goodness. We can rejoice together. Let us pray. Father, you have been did such a wonderful God. If only we would know that, if only your people would know that it is your great joy and your great longing that you could join our hearts. It is never one-sided, it is not us pleasing you, but it is you wanting to please us, wanting to receive the blessings that you long to give to us. Help us, Lord, to realize this truth, that our fears may be taken away, that we may rest in your love for us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so I would encourage all of you to experience, experience, experiment, to taste God is good. It starts with just a prayer. God, show me that you really love me. Show me that you are here as a doting father for me. And then let God prove to you how much he loves you. Well then, God bless you and goodbye.